0: Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. David and Audrey, would you guys come up for? It is my honor and privilege to introduce David and Audrey Kim. David is, uh, and I are, are spiritual brothers. We have a, a spiritual father who really launched us into ministry. It was Lou Engel. God's used Lou in so many different ways. Uh, but one of the things he's always used Lou in is to stir up vision and desire and to birth ministries all around, all over the world, especially in the U.S. And uh, we wouldn't, Tammy and I and Sal and Jewel wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Lou speaking words of encouragement and just destiny over us that gave us the courage to step forward and know he's done likewise for for David and Audrey. So you're going to hear an amazing word today. So, Father, I thank you for this couple. God, I thank you for what they represent, the generations coming forward and and bringing forth godly generations with them. So, Father, we just bless what's in them, anoint them as they bring forth the word, and we just receive you guys as a... <clears throat> As you are prophets of the Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Pastor Bill. Awesome. Well, we're
1: excited to be here with you guys. Our son Elijah is right there. He's three months old. He has a little blue chambray shirt. Audrey was like, Yeah, he's going to match you today. And I was like, Yes! <laughs> this is all I've ever wanted. Uh, well, we're glad. We're honored to be here on Pentecost Sunday with you guys. I don't know how many of you guys were aware that it's Pentecost Sunday, but it, it lined up that way and it matched that way. Someone actually texted us and said, hey, you guys know that you guys are going to be in New York on Pentecost Sunday. And I was like, I, I, I totally forgot about that. I haven't even thought about that. But I just feel like it's so significant. Right here yesterday, there's about 40, 50 young people, and we pray for six, seven hours for a breakthrough in the city and for an east, on, on the east coast, just believing that there are wells of inheritance in this city that God wants us to dig into corporately for a whole generation. Uh, So we had a pre-rally actually, for this gathering we had a pre-rally in, I think it was January, and so before he was born I I flew out here and we preached to a little group of students on the story of David's mighty men, and this is a story in the book of Chronicles. It's kind of an obscure story, and I'm going to start here and then want to track with you guys together on what we believe God is releasing in this city and over each and every one of you guys. And, and in this story, this little obscure story in the book of Chronicles, as, as the story of the mighty, David's mighty men are told, there's this story where David says, and David had a longing for the water of the, from the well of Bethlehem. And then it says, and then the three, who were the, the captains of the mighty men, heard this desire, they went and broke into the enemy encampment because at the time Bethlehem was possessed by the enemy. And so they broke through into the encampment, God uh, got water from the well, brought it to David, and David says these words, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should drink from the blood of these men. And he was so moved. And then he takes that water and he pours it out onto the ground. And the point of that word was this. It's an illustration, I believe, of Jesus who has longing for wells and cities. That that, that there's something in the heart of Jesus that he's tasted the waters of this city before. The revivals of past uh, uh, generations. And there's a longing in the heart of Jesus that says, oh, that I would drink from the well of New York again. In all the ways that has been possessed or encamped by the enemy and then those friends who are close enough to him because it says and David sighed and it was it wasn't saying to them he actually was saying it to himself he was just sighing missing home and he says oh that I might drink from the well of the water of Bethlehem those who were closest to him were close enough to hear the sighing of his heart and the secret desire of his heart without David asking them they broke through enemy lines and I believe that God is looking for friends. He's looking for friends at this hour who are close enough to hear the desire of his heart for this city. Then they'll say, whatever it costs me, I'll break through enemy lines. And when they bring that water back, it's as if the Father, it's as if Jesus can't resist. He takes the water of his Holy Spirit and he pours it out onto the earth. You guys, you guys tracking with me? And, and there's this core value that we share Pastor Bill talked about this, references of, of with Lou, of redigging the wells of revival. It's actually a book that he wrote. But it's about what later generations have to do, is they have to go back into the journeys of their forefathers, where God encountered their forefathers and made promises to their forefathers. Go to the wells that they dug and go back to those same wells. It's in Genesis, a uh, story of Isaac. When he's sojourning through the promised land that Abraham sojourned in, that Isaac goes back, and the and the Bible says this. Then Isaac dug again the wells of water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham, and he gave them the same names which his father had given them. That Isaac goes back to wells that his father had dug to drink of that same well, of that same water, and he Begins to understand that as he comes back to them, that the enemy has come and stopped them up and kept them from flowing. But Isaac makes it his duty to re-dig them for his generation, for his family, for his children. And I just want to share this morning on that sense of, uh, of, of spiritual inheritance or generational inheritance. Spiritual transfer between Generations. If you look at the life of Abraham, who's you know, one of the great figures, he's the patriarch of faith, the father of faith in one sense. You look at his life, there's, there's, there's very little monuments left. In fact, you, if you go to Israel, there's, there's nothing that Abraham did that still stands there. He, he didn't leave behind monuments or great buildings and great houses and palaces. What he left behind were altars and then he left behind wells. Those are the two things that he went throughout his life to do. And the altars are the places of encounter where God makes promises. In fact, every time God makes a promise to Abraham, his response is right in the spot that God makes the promise. He builds an altar, and then he calls upon the name of the Lord. And those altars for future generations become a place of remembrance where they can come come back, and then they can sign their name to the storyline and say, my father's promises are my promises. In fact, Isaac and, and then Jacob, they actually go back to these altars. That's where Jacob has the, the, the latter dream, where God promises. That it's at the altar that Abraham had built. In fact, if you look into the Old Testament, there are altars that are revisited by future generations. They're places of encounter and promise. And then there's wells, which are places of encounter and refreshing. That there's there's places where where Abraham encountered God in a place of refreshing and his descendants afterwards came to that same place and they drank from Abraham's spiritual history with God. And that's Abraham's legacy. In fact, Abraham was, if you look at scripture, he was a rich man. But if you look at his descendants, his wealth didn't pass down cleanly, really. In fact, uh, there's a very strange... Uh, a storyline of, of, of how, you know, uh, Isaac had to get wealthy or 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 how Jacob had to get wealth and their subversion and plot twist and all these things, meaning Abraham's primary inheritance or legacy that he passed down to his children was not wealth. It was not financial. That's how we normally think about inheritance. You know, my wife and I, we, we raise uh, uh, funds, we fundraise, and we chose to live this life, and if God doesn't call you to do it, don't do it. Uh, when we got married, I think we had $800 a month coming in. Uh, it was it was great. <laughs> it, it wasn't great because we lived in Pasadena at the time, and the rent was $1,850. So it's like, Laura, there's a gap. <laughs> we need you to fill it. Um, and, and, and so people always ask us, what's your retirement plan? Do you have a retirement plan? I'm like, no, I opted out of Social Security because I don't want to pay taxes, <laughs> right? Uh, and, 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 and not having that or, or even inheritance for our kids, not even thinking in those ways. But, but, but Abraham, he didn't necessarily think in those ways. And the patriarchs weren't thinking in those ways. In fact, what you see is, is if you see the Bible, what's passed down most frequently than not is spiritual history and promises, Those are the things that's passed down from generation to generation. You look at the life of David, and you look at the, the, the genealogy of the kings. And every king, there's always a judgment passed on them at the end of their life. And it says, and he walked in the ways of his father David and did not turn from the left or the right. Or it says, and he was a wicked king. And then it says, and he did not walk in the ways of his father, David. Meaning that every son of David and every grandson and great-great-grandson was measured by the intimacy that he walked in. Meaning his intimacy with God set the standard for every future king of Israel. You look at one of the kings that I love is, is Josiah. And he's Josiah's great. Uh, Josiah's grandfather is 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 one of the most wicked kings to ever sit on the throne of Israel. In fact, it's it's pretty crazy. You read the Bible, and it literally says, "Because of the sins of Manasseh, I will not forgive Israel." I mean, that's that's a, that's a pretty intense thing that for God to say. And then his son, uh, uh, he had a son who was who was uh, Josiah's father. Forget the name, and, and he was even more wicked than his father. And so Josiah is born in, into a wicked lineage. But then it says this, and then Josiah, it says these words, discovered the God of his father David. Amen. Meaning he found his spiritual roots, yes. not in his father or grandfather, but he stretched his hand all the way back to David. and said, that's my father. And he begins to lay hold of a legacy and inheritance. In fact, the judgment was supposed to come in Josiah's lifetime. and God's so moved by Josiah's response. That he says, it's not going to come. It's only going to come after you die. There's there's this uh, uh, principle of 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 spiritual legacy that I believe that we have to lay hold of. In, in an individual way for your own families, but even in a corporate way, yeah. understanding the, the 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 roots of the city that you live in or the region that you live in. You know, I'm I'm you know clearly uh, 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 my parents are not from here. I don't know if that's obvious, but it is. Um, and, and so my parents immigrated here. I always joke, you know, English is my first language. Whenever I, whenever I, I make a typo or something, go, oh, English is my first language. That's my, that's my go-to. <laughs> it might take you a little while to get that joke, but it's, it's, it's quite funny. Um, and uh, uh, just understanding why, you know, what, what is America? That was kind of one of the things that they had to go through. And then me, after I became a believer, began to study the, the revival history in this land, knowing that. And what I came to found out, find out is that there have been more revivals and outpourings of the Holy Spirit in America than any other nation in the history of the church. In fact, there's been a revival. Some would say every two or three generations, there's been a revival in America. Right? That's That's been kind of the cycle of God moving in seasons of this country. If you study, you go to, this one of those places, America is just one of those places that you could actually go and visit places where the Holy Spirit came. I remember that one of the first times we were in New York doing campus ministry, we were praying in front of these doors at Columbia University, only to find out that the doors of the chapel at Columbia University were taken from another church. And that church happened to be the church where Jeremiah Jeremiah Lamphere started his prayer meetings. And we're like, this is a sign that God wants to move on the college campuses of New York. you got to study your roots, Lou would say, to grow your shoots that's, that's a good one. That's not mine. That's, it's, not, it's not an original line. It's, that's a Lou Engel right there. Uh, it's a Lou Engel original. You got to know your roots, your roots to, to grow your shoots point being is this is, is there's a corporate significance for the regions that God's placed us and the boundary lines in which He's placed people. and there's something even about this city that we have to understand. There's something about this, this region on the east Coast and, and even America that, that's not that's a, that in, a, in, a, in a very real sense is not present in other nations of the world. It's not present in other nations of the world, but it's wells that can be redug again. It was, uh, it was connecting with uh, Tammy after we were at this gathering uh, uh, called 222 uh, uh, Field of Dreams, and and uh, if you if you know Lou and I'm tracked with him f- for any about amount of time, you know that the Field of Dreams is his favorite movie. He's memorized every line. How many of you guys have watched Field of Dreams, by the way? Oh, that's that's a lot of people. Usually we we preach on college campuses and go, how many of you guys have heard of Field of Dreams? No one. How many of you guys have heard of Kevin Costner? No one, right? <laughs> actually, at this point now, we go, how many of you guys have heard of Lou Engle? Nobody. And I'm, like, so shocked, right? I'm, like, <gasps> I'm like how many of you guys heard of The Call? no one, right? It's a to- totally new generation. I remember Lou was preaching at a, at a Jesus culture one time. I, I was assisting him on the trip, and, and Banning asked the crowd, how many of you guys have ever heard Lou Engle preach live? And this was, like, maybe eight years ago, Okay. And like six hands went up out of 5,000. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's a completely new generation. And Lou, if you know Lou Preach, you know, he's a wild man. And he opens his message with, what will you do with my legacy? It was epic. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and really, that's, that's uh, you know, that is a question I believe that the Lord has for us today. What is our legacy, our spiritual legacy? And what will we do with the spiritual legacy of those who've gone before us? So, uh, so we were at this gathering, Field of Dreams. Um, we came away from it about a small gathering, maybe 500 people, and people who had been touched by Lou, impacted by his life, sons and daughters who have gone on to do incredible things uh, with the Lord. And we we're just like Lou, we love you, and you gave us our dreams. He's like, No, you're my dream, and it was just great, you know, one of those sweet moments. And at the gathering, I, I, um, it was it was on two, 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 and the day before, my grandmother had passed away in Korean time, February 2nd, 2022. And even just the last 24 hours, uh, uh, while I was at that gathering, I'd been pondering, what's the significance of my grandmother passing away on 2-2-2022 in Korean time? And I remember talking to my younger brother who's, who's a radical man right now. He's on an intense 40-day fast with, with 50 other young people in California right now because we're doing what we did yesterday in California over a couple of days in three weeks, so this is like a crazy season for us. And, and so, he, I mean, he's a wild man, you know, and so him and I were talking on the phone saying, what, what does this mean for our family? Because she was like a matriarch, right? Like my grandfather my grandfather passed away you know, when my mom was relatively young, so she's been like the matriarch for like the last 50 years, uh, kind of deal. And and we're just asking, what does it mean? And 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 knowing our family history, uh, 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 we were just pondering the significance of this moment because you gotta you gotta sometimes you gotta track down your own genealogy to understand your story. You guys understand what I mean? My great grandfather was saved in the Korean Pentecost. I was sharing earlier this morning how the Korean Pentecost uh, as well as with three or four other revivals in the in 1904 to 1909 historians church historians call that the first global revival in the history of the church. So 1904 the Welsh revival happens and that's the revival where within 6 months 130,000 people get saved in Wales because of a, of a 25-year-old named Evan Roberts he was he was he was, he was the OG um, and then and then in 1907 in Los Angeles, the Holy Spirit gets poured out in Bonnie Bray Street. One-eyed black man named William Seymour prays with a white guy, Frank Bartleman, and they pray together. And it was actually, they say, one of the first, uh, uh, how do I put it, multiracial church meetings uh, uh, in, 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 in the United States. In the season where Jim Crow was going throughout the South, Native Americans came. Even Asian immigrants came to that, to that prayer meeting and they got the baptism of fire. Frank Bartleman wrote these words. He said the color line was washed away by the blood. That's what happens when tongues get poured out. Even in Acts chapter 2, multitudes from many nations begin to understand one another and speak the same language. Right? And, and so, so 1907 in Los Angeles, the Holy Spirit gets poured out. Uh, uh. They, church historians would say from that revival till today, 750 million descendants can trace their spiritual roots back to Azusa Street. Amen. That means those guys, William Seymour and Frank Bartleman, they'll say my spiritual children are like the stars of the sky. <laughs> and and but it was it was humble it was a manger that's what they called it Bonnie Bray Street it's like this two bedroom house it's tiny if you've ever been there before it's tiny you could hardly fit 20 people in there right the porch broke the whole nine if you've heard the story moved to Azusa Street Mission which was you know it was it used to be like a, a literal place where they would have horses right and 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 that's where they had the revival and that revival went around the entire world and then 1907 uh uh, the the korean pentecost is born and i'll go into that in a second and then also simultaneously revivals break out in the subcontinent of india uh um and and all of a sudden the world is aflame that's that's what some church historians say that period five ten years they called it the world aflame right before world war one global revival it's the first time it's ever happened globally and 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 except with the exception of LA and Wales through some letters it all happened spontaneously independent of each other god was doing something and so my great grandfather was saving the korean pentecost and the korean pentecost started when uh, 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 one missionary and two indigenous pastors they had beef they were very territorial uh, in their little city up in north in some little podunk village of north korea and what happened was they had a meeting together all three of them. They, they. I kind of. I think they got like Shanghai into this meeting, and and they're in the room together. Um, it's like the wrong country reference, but anyways. Um, <laughs> they got tricked into this meeting, okay? And 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 in this meeting, the Holy Spirit comes and they actually begin to repent to each other. This is how Korean Pentecost started. And then that one preacher, one pastor, says to the other pastor, Pastor Kim, which is like a lot of pastors' names, right? <laughs> it goes, Pastor Kim i'm going to confess to you i've been i've been jealous of your ministry wow. and then the other pastor says i too have been jealous of your ministry and then the missionary said i've been jealous of you guys and then the holy spirit comes wow. and then there's about 150 people there and then they all start crying out at once they say aboji which means father okay if you still go to korean pyramids today as you go these old people are rocking and they go aboji like for like three straight hours okay um, it's awesome and, and the Holy Spirit comes falls on, on these 150 baptizes them and then all of a sudden the fire starts spreading all across North Korea uh, it gets centered and anchored in Pyongyang which is now the city uh, the capital of North Korea they called Pyongyang back in the day they called it the city of a thousand churches and the Jerusalem of the East see there are uh, there are wells that God knows that he's purposed cities with redemptive purposes from before time. And the enemy also knows that. And so within 15 years of that revival, Imperial Japan is is completely taking over all of the Korean Peninsula. And then right after Imperial Japan gets defeated, then uh, the communism comes into North Korea and essentially cuts North Korea off from the rest of the world. North Korea is the most closed nation to the gospel on the planet. And 100 years ago, they were saying that it was the Jerusalem of the East. In fact, they said through North Korea, the gospel will reach all of Asia. And the enemy knows these things, is what I'm trying to say. One of our friends on our team, his, his parents, uh, his white, white family, uh, just for context, his parents were missionaries in South Korea, and I, I love it. You know, his, his grandfather said, when I die, uh, uh, bury my ashes, scatter my ashes in North Korea. So his ashes are in North Korea. And I was like, that's dope. Um, <laughs> but so my, my great-grandfather was saved in that revival which was a, a, an epic revival, and they said after he was saved, what he would do is he would spend the rest of his life in the, in the secret place, lock himself in a room, and pray for future generations of his family. When I, when I found out that story, I was like, that's why I'm here today, right? And it was only, it was, amen. And then my, my grandmother um, was also saved because of my grandfather, my great-grandfather, and my grandmother was, uh, uh, she was, she was young, in her late teens, I think, when the Korean War broke out. And, and everyone thought the Korean War would be like a week or two. That's what they thought. So they sent all their kids down south because all the communists were coming through the north and executing a bunch of people. So they sent their kids to the south, and they said, all right, it's going to be like a week or two, and we'll see you in a week or two. So her and her brother went to the south, and then the Korean War was way longer than two weeks Um, And they never saw their family again. They never saw their other siblings. Uh, They never saw their family again. In fact, a lot of people would trace, because South Korea at that time, what's known as South Korea today, was not the religious portion of Korea. It was more like the governmental center of Korea, while North Korea was like the spiritual capital of Korea. They say that the revivals in South Korea in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, a lot of those were started because of North Korean refugees who were believers. And so, so my grandmother was, uh, uh, she she came to, to South Korea, and if you know Koreans, they've never missed, never missed a Sunday service in their entire life, right? So we're part, of, we're part of a prayer church, and, you know, we encourage everyone to go to church. We try to go to church on Sundays. Uh, one time, though, my mom was in town, and I was like, oh, my mom's in town, and we're going to skip church. I'm going to hang out with my mom. My mom goes, what are you doing here? She's like, I'm like, mom, we're hanging out. She's like, why aren't you going to church, you know? <laughs> And I'm like, Mom, it's like, you're only here for two days, you know? And she's like, no, 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 you're supposed to go to church. And I'm like, uh, and then she's like, if you're not going to go to church, I'm going to go to church. And then she went to online church. I was like, man, she's hardcore, right? <laughs> and, and, and if you're Korean and you're a believer, uh, you never miss morning prayer, you know? And, and, the, and the joke I always tell people is 6 a.m. is when morning prayer ends for, you know, Koreans. It's like, well, we're on our way to breakfast, you know? And and so if you you know you grow up in Korean church you know your parents will drag you to morning prayer sometimes and and it's you know it's it's very early, um, <laughs> it's before the sun rises for sure you know, um, and and so my grandmother would go to morning prayer every morning and she would pray for every single person in her family. That, that was the habit. Then my mom was a believer. She grew up as a believer, uh, uh, encountered with Jesus, and and then she would take up the habit. I remember I was. I actually don't remember too much, you know, blocked it out maybe, but I was, you know, me and my group of friends were, were of the worst, and of the worst, I was the worst, right, and, and our youth group, I shared it this morning, um, our youth group was more like a gang than it was a church, than it was a youth group, right, <laughs> And so, you know, uh, uh, and I don't know if this joke will land with you guys, but it did, you know, so just give me a courtesy laugh if it doesn't. But, you know, most people, they think of, like, oh, a group of Asian kids in youth group. They're like, oh, are all go to Harvard and Stanford and stuff like that. Not my youth group. Uh, my youth group was not so. Like, it was, we were, we were just a bunch of broken kids, right? And, and, and uh, uh, we were just the worst of the worst. And, and my mom would pray for me. She would wake up in the morning, and she would walk around the park, Two hours every morning and pray for my salvation. That's what she would do, and then after I got saved, then she, you know, she, uh, she she went after my brother, and so <laughs> it's how it is in our family. You can't run from God, um, and and so, uh, and my mom would say, you know, she said one time she was joking with me, she said, you know, I should have prayed for you one hour a day, so you'd be a really godly businessman instead of full time ministry, <laughs> and. Uh, it's, it, was, it, was, it was, it was, that was a hard conversation. Oh, that's actually a fun conversation. I'll, I'll just tell this story because this, this is a great story. I remember after I got saved, you know, obviously my mom was happy. You know, I left my lifestyle of sin, the whole thing, love Jesus. And then I got like, like super saved. So my mom was like, dude, you need to study for SATs. You can't be, uh, can't be reading your Bible all the time. And she took my Bible. Like, I know. So I saved up all my lunch money for a season. I bought a Bible from Barnes and Noble's. I don't know if everyone, knows everyone, Borders. It was Borders. That's, Yeah, yeah. it doesn't exist anymore. B- bought my Bible. There was no Amazon back then. That's how crazy it was. You know, was, I bought it retail price, <laughs> you know, $49.95 NIV Study Bible, and I hid it like under my desk in a compartment. It was like North Korea, right? Like. <laughs> at, at, I'd wait. I'd, no joke. I'd wait for my mom to fall asleep. I'd sneak. I'd sneak out my Bible and read it after she fell asleep. You know. No, no joke. With like a little flashlight under my desk. I spend time with God. And uh, my mom was like, "Dude, you can't go into full time ministry." And th- that's the thing. It wasn't because she didn't love God. It was just, you know, if you go into full time ministry, especially as a Korean, you're gonna be poor forever. Like that's that's like her her mentality. She's like, "I didn't I didn't come to America for you to be poor." You know. Uh, and and so. Uh, I remember my, my sophomore year of, of college, she's like, if you don't choose to be a businessman right now, cause I was in business school at Cal, if you don't choose to go, you know, be a businessman for the rest of your life, you know, you're on your own. And I was like, okay, you know, and it was emotional, left the house with a suitcase, you know, cause I was visiting for the weekend, walked to the bus stop, my friend picked me up, like it's one of those, you know? Um, anyways, we didn't talk for five months. And, and, uh, and I prayed and fasted for five months. My mom calls me because God speaks to my mom. She goes, I had a dream. And in the dream, the Lord showed me Abraham and Isaac, said, you must give up your son. And, she, and then she said, and now I bless you, my son, to go into the ministry. And it's awesome because she's, she's one of our biggest intercessors. She's always like, "What's your next trip? And I'll let her know. She's like, okay, I'm praying. And, and she gets her little prayer group to pray for us. And it's awesome. All right so anyways I'm, I'm 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 getting a little carried away I didn't share that. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't share that this morning And so my mom prayed me into salvation and then now Audrey and I we have we have a son 3 months old his name's Elijah middle name is John Moses and I told my brother that and he was like you picked every first name in the Bible <laughs> you know and, and he's like, like he's like, are you planning to have any other boys <laughs> you know? and, and so Elijah John Moses and now we got to pray for our son and God give him a double portion it just changes you just changes you where you're you know when you're younger you're like you know what's what's my calling God what's my what's what's the timeline of my calling and now it's like God I don't really care just let let our kids love God you know and so our whole community now all of us like getting married having kids and stuff like that and your mindset begins to shift generationally and and it's it's so important for us to understand spiritual inheritance you know, and, and, and corporate inheritance, even for your family or for a region or even for a people group and redemptive callings and destinies of God. There's even a place for corporate pain. And I want to say this because there's so much of corporate pain that is that is that is magnified today in the media. And I think God's it's because God's put his hand on it. But there's a word in Korean called han, okay? And han means like corporate anger and pain. It's because Korea. If you if you study the history of Korea, the last 2,000 years, they've been conquered by virtually every country in Asia, right? And because it's a strategic port city, and so there's this corporate suffering that the people have experienced. And I'll never forget Lou preaching on this. He he preached on this, and I I felt I, I felt my identity like a white father was speaking my Korean identity back into me. That's how powerful it was. And he says, he says, but. If the Han is channeled, or that corporate pain is channeled into corporate intercession, what you get are the great revivals throughout Korea's history. In fact, from 1960 to 19, uh, uh, from, I think, 1980 to 1990, South Korea went from 10% Christian to 90% Christian in 10 years. In fact, in 1960, the UN said South Korea is the poorest nation on the face of the earth. Now, we make all your cell phones. (laughs) You (laughs) know what I mean? It's
0: epic.
1: <laughs> you can actually trace, if you, I don't have time to get into this. You can actually trace the growth and progress of the gospel in certain countries in Asia and the national prosperity that rises with it, right? And so uh, uh, point being is this, is that there, there's a place even from, for corporate pain that can be turned into generational inheritance. If the pain is turned into prayer, then it becomes generational inheritance instead of generational pain and generational trauma. Wow. And there's, you know, there might be those who might be thinking, you know, I, I'm the first believer. And I believe in the same way, like, you know, I actually met someone, he's on our he's on our staff team now. He was like, man, I'm the I'm the first person in my family to go to college. My first time meeting one of those. Right? I was like, You're you're the first person to go to college in your entire family. He's like, It's actually I'm the first person to leave my hometown and my entire family. And I'm intrigued. because I'm intrigued with the South. I I know nothing about the South. I'm from California. Uh, South is a mystery to me. If you're from California, is there's California america and then new york like that's that's how californians think right uh uh, i don't know if you've ever met someone from california that's that is that is how we think and so whenever i meet someone from the south or from the midwest it's i it's 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 like social studies for me i'm like what is this drink called sweet tea that you love you know i don't know if you're from the south or had southern sweet tea it's 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 the bomb uh i I think it's better than milk tea and that's almost you know heretical to, to to asian people um Anyways, and, and so he was talking about this. This, It was so crazy for his family that he went to college in a different state. In fact, no one on his family has ever been on a plane before. There, there is a reality, even when it comes to, in the spirit, that you don't have to carry a, 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 not just generational pain, but the limitations of previous generations, because you can start to carve out your own legacy. Like Josiah, he reaches all the way back to David. And all of us in this room can reach all the way back. It says, it says, and the father before whom every knee shall bow. The God and father of us all can reach all the way back to that kind of inheritance. And you look at the Bible, you say, that was my, Abraham is my father too. you say, David is my father too. It says, Jesus, he's not only the son, but it says he's the everlasting father. And we can find our our names in the storyline of God. I I told the story earlier uh, in the first service. My my dad is a, is was he he grew up Buddhist and he grew up in in, in like a, in in Jeju Island, which is like the Hawaii of, of Korea, but it's super traditional, right? And so so my dad grew up, uh, and 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 he learned how to swim before he can walk is what he tells me because it's it's like a little island. I don't know if he's serious about it, but that's what he says. Right? And and uh, uh, they're hardcore Buddhist family. Like I remember my grandfather's funeral was like it was I mean, it was intense. I mean, they had shamans and everything. It was it was actually four days. Like that was it was like a ritual funeral, like that's how intense it was. That was that's my dad's side. And when my dad married my mom and they came to the States, my dad actually refused to go to church. And and because he because for him to convert would be to betray his family line right, and so he refused to go to church, and so he would wait in the car uh, uh, every Sunday, let my mom go to church, and then, you know, and then take her back, but she was going to go to this one uh, overnight prayer gathering, and it's called uh, Trace Diaz. I don't know why it's called Trace Diaz. It's a Korean thing, but it's in Spanish, <laughs> all right, and, and so it's, co- it's called, it's called Trace Diaz, right, and it's like, a, it's like a multi-night prayer, you know, conference kind of thing, and so uh, uh, she 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 goes, and my dad didn't want her to go to an overnight place alone, so she he went with her. Okay? And he walks into the service, gets slain in the spirit as he walks in. And he's slain for six hours. He wakes up praying in tongues and saved. I know. And, praise God. You know, God was just like, you know what, we're we're not we're not gonna do the 12-step, you know. To, Deliverance protocol. We're gonna get it all out one one swoop. Six hours, bam, and you just wake up clean, right? And so that's how my dad got saved. Um, and, and and he, you know, in many ways, he still, when we go back, he's he's like the the one of the the few believers in his family, you know, and is ministering that. But 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 there is there's. It doesn't matter what, what I'm trying to say. Is is if you're the first believer in your family line, because there are things that my dad did that impact me to this day, and he's a—he's just an honorable, noble businessman. Not just—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's a high occupation. It's—it's it's whatever God's called you to do is the highest occupation for your life, right? And and but I, I still remember, like he's—he's he's not the loudest person. He's not—he's not a preacher. He doesn't do the most intense Bible studies. He wasn't going into the Greek and Hebrew with us, you know, during family devotionals. But he was consistent. And, and, and that's what spiritual legacy is about. It's, it's not about the monuments. It's not about these giant platforms or that you create for your children in ministry terms or, or or reputations that they have to uphold. But it's spiritual legacy. It's altars and it's wells. It's altars and it's wells. You know how I learned how to pray for my son? I learned from my parents Right? Like, I you know, obviously, all of you guys, or a lot of you guys are parents, so you know how you feel when you get your first one. You're like, you have no idea what to do. You're freaking out. you got no sleep. Right? You're like, why is he crying? Why? 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 You know, and he's why is he not eating? You know, why is his diaper already dirty? And it's just all these, you know, questions. <laughs> but I, I, you know, my dad wasn't, he wasn't a platform minister or anything like that. He was a faithful deacon. He took care of church finances, you know, faithfully, right? and, and. Uh, he's just he was just faithful, but I remember every night when he'd come home without fail, he put his hand on my face and my brother's face and he would pray for us. Amen. Sometimes he would pray in tongues and when we were little, we are we freaked out. We'd be like, <laughs> and my brother would look at each other and be like, what was that? Do you think that was the tongues, you know like? <laughs> and uh, my mom, I, I, I still remember she, to this day still her just walking around the house and praying. It, you know, praying loudly and and casting back the enemy and just all this great stuff that that's, that was you know that's what I grew up in in the atmosphere. and and that's you just you know that spiritual legacy is what I'm trying to say. it's It's not the big things. And I'm, you know, if you could give a, give a financial legacy to your kids, that's awesome, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff that people want, financial freedom for their children or a good college education. But what really, what you remember later on, especially when you become a parent, is, is the little things your parents did that pointed you to God. And I remember when, when my parents lost their business, I was like 9 or 10 or 11, and it totally reoriented their lives, and 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 they were praying people before, but after that, they were really praying people. Morning prayer every morning, my dad would go. My dad was in, like after the business collapse, was in debt for 15 years. And 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 every morning without fail. He said, He said, Sometimes, David, I didn't have gas to get to the prayer meeting. But I was just like, God, I I I, I, I need to go. Just fill my tank, and he would get there. That that's you know, you, that's legacy, that's inheritance. Remember what Corey Russell said one time he was preaching at a conference and he said and he said he said these words he said "I, I want to have such a deep prayer life that my children when they pray they will not only call upon the name of the Lord but they will remember my name and my promises. Why do you think it is that every priest after David they were instructed to pray these words in the Bible, from the Bible? Remember, O Lord. The afflictions of our father David. How he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. Meaning, every, that's this is the song of ascent, which means every time they would walk up the temple mount, they would pray these prayers so that they would know that God would keep his promises to his people and his presence among his people. And they didn't just pray to God and remember his works. David's life so impacted future generations they actually called upon the god of david in fact god was so moved by david and this is a cool cool little fact it sounds so obvious that hundreds of years later when his own son came he didn't just call him the son of god he called him the son of david that's that's spiritual legacy that's inheritance i want to say today that pentecost is a generational inheritance and there is an inheritance that, that, that we need to contend for. Because in, in that understanding, there, the Holy Spirit didn't dwell inside people like he dwells inside us today. He dwelled, God dwelled in one place. And in fact, most of the promises for the, for the indwelling Holy Spirit, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, were given right before the children of Israel were about to go into exile. And it was like Isaiah 80 years before exile, Ezekiel during exile, Joel right before exile. And they would give all these prophetic words that the Holy Spirit would be placed inside of them. Why? Because all of them were about to go into exile. And when they went into exile, they knew only one form of religion and that was the presence of God is back there. We're, le- we're being cast out from His presence, but what the prophets were saying, "Was you're not being cast out because th- there's coming a day where where you will no longer come to this mountain, but everywhere where there's worshipers and spirit and truth, so there I shall be among them." He's speaking of a future time where the spirit be poured out. That was the significance of Pentecost. It wasn't just you know we speak in tongues and do cool signs and wonders, and st- it was that wherever you went, God would be with you. And he'd be inside of you. And, 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 that, and that if you understand that there are prayers from over generations in the Old Testament. And you can imagine in the land of Babylon, parents telling their kids, we're strangers in a foreign land. This is not our home. These are not our gods. Back in Jerusalem, we worshiped God and his presence was there. But my son, you're going to know a day when you're not just going to go back to Jerusalem. Wherever you are, God is going to be with you. And, and that's what spiritual legacy looks at. It's not just the manifestation in your day, but it's looking at your descendants after descendants after descendants. But if you want true spiritual legacy for your descendants, you got to understand also what God's done in previous times. So you can reach back and not just reinvent the wheel, but you can redig a well. Okay, and understand that Jeremiah Lamphere started permitting in the city with a handful of people. Then the stock market crashed. A crisis came. And then 11,000, 17,000, 23,000 people started praying at lunchtime. You guys all know the story. Started a revival in America where one out of 13 Americans were saved right before the Civil War. Right before this nation was going to be torn apart, God poured out His Spirit. He visited sons and daughters. And I want to believe today that these wells, they're still under our feet, and not just under our feet. There have been faithful people digging. Uh, 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 I remember visiting, my first time visiting uh, J-Hop in in New York was not in this building. It was in an apartment complex, tiny little, maybe 15 chairs. Are there any OGs? (laughs) (laughs) there's, There's been digging happening. And there's a corporate digging where we press in together and believe that there's still more for this generation. There's still more that God wants to pour out. I want to invite the worship team to come back up. The Lord said to us, don't do the, we do these summer gatherings where you know three, four, five hundred young people come across America to Colorado Springs. So don't do it in Colorado Springs anymore. Uh, for next year, I want you to do it in New York and California. Go to the two places hardest hit by COVID. Go to the two places that 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 have been most shut down. God's about to bring. He He loves He loves the darkest places because that's where He knows He's going to get the most glory. And and so we had a six seven hour prayer meeting last night. Uh, uh, one of the things we prayed for was the lost and broken in this city. Our team over this weekend was was on the bus public transit. I just felt stirred to share this story because I want to pray I want to pray for these wells, and I want to pray for our personal inheritances and 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 uh 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 they were on this bus and there was this there was this man a young man who's clearly in the lifestyle starts he says you where are the bars that I should go to he says oh I'm not a one of our young staff guys oh, I, don't, I don't I don't I don't I'm not about the bar scene I'm about Jesus I'm like that's he's so bold, man. <laughs> you know, fear nothing when you're 20 years old, right? Um, and and start telling about the gospel. And then the guy asked him a question, is Jesus? You know, I've heard things about Jesus. You know, he's not really God though, he's just the son of God. And then he looks at him and says, No, Jesus is not only the son of God, he's also God. And what he said is true. Young man begins to weep on the bus. And they just begin to pray and prophesy over him on the bus. Look, I I and they're following up with him now. They got his number and they're following up with him. I want to believe in this city. I want, I want to believe even in this room for individual inheritance, this spiritual legacy. Something happens. I told this to our team. I said, something's going to happen, guys, when we take all of our spiritual inheritance and we put it in one pot. And we say, God, we're going to combine it all. It's not for just one of us. It's for all of us. This girl on our team, her, her grandparents We're the first missionaries, Papua New Guinea, and translate the entire Bible into into Papua New Guinea. That's inheritance. And I could just go down the line. We we study each other's spiritual history because there's something that you've been deposited inside of you over generations that we need for us. I want to invite you all to stand today. I just felt... been praying for this service there's so much of an inheritance over each and every one of your lives and so much of the story has not yet even been told but I believe God wants to pour out His spirit in New York it's Pentecost Sunday it's a promise from Scripture it's a promise from ancient times but also the thread of your own storyline get woven with God's promises just felt this morning we're to build an altar up here Lou told Lou Lou would always tell us David everywhere you go build an altar I have had these weird journeys with Lou where we go to random places go to the Rose Bowl and we build a little altar at the Rose Bowl say God one day you're gonna fill this place with your father. just little little history that I can go back with a spiritual father moments that you remember those are the things that you really pass on to your children and your spiritual children it's not the big ministry or the big business or the big house it's these altars that you've built and you go one day you're going to take your kids to this altar and they're going to encounter the god of their fathers i want to invite you guys to the to, to i don't know if, if you all feel comfortable with this but i know you guys were up here for worship i want to build an altar up here i want to invite us to build our own altars let this pentecost sunday be a sunday where you say i built an altar that sunday where I had an encounter where I made a promise to God or where God made a promise to me that you'll tell your kids about and your grandchildren about or your spiritual kids. You'll tell your nephews and nieces, God met me on that Sunday. God met me that year. It transformed me in that transformation and that touch for you. That's you. I want to invite Or You can stay in your seat. But all across this room, if you want to come up, if you want to stay in your seat, I want to invite everyone in this room just to build your own altar before the Lord an altar of encounter and remembrance for your families. Pray over your children. Pray over spiritual children. One of my good friends who works at Facebook says, I want to build an altar at Facebook. Let's build altars here this morning, not monuments, not buildings or bank accounts but wealth that lasts forever. Spiritual treasure.
0: We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at
1: LifeCenterChurchNYC.